Who's afraid of the big idea? Welcome to Who's Afraid of the Big Idea with me, George and Jamie, a retail podcast tackling the industry's biggest challenges, opportunities and innovative thinking. Through meeting individuals and looking and exploring their organisations, we hope to share with you, our audience, some wonderful insight to help you tackle your big ideas. Enjoy the show. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Who's Afraid of the Big Idea. It's George here and I'm with Julia Glotz today. Hi Julia. Hello. It's a sunny Friday. Um, it was just raining moments ago, but it's now a sunny day, and uh, we're really lucky to have Julia on the show with us. Fantastic wealth of experience at the Gross Magazine uh, right now, but um, technology background previously. And what we want to tackle today in the episode is really looking at trends and particularly talking about data within the grocery retail sector uh, and ways in new ways of thinking about data and new ways that can be applied to deliver better customer engagement and better customer experiences. But I won't go into it too much because that's what we're going to ask Julia all about. Uh, so hi Julia, welcome. Thanks for having me. If I could just ask you for the uh, audience to give a little bit of background on yourself uh, and your experience, that would really help set the scene. Sure. So I'm the managing editor of The Grocer. Um, that means I look after the day-to-day running of the magazine and crucially it's digital operations. Digital is increasingly important to us, um, so that sort of side of the business reports into me, including our social channels. Um, I also commission our opinion and sort of op-ed sections. Um, and prior to that, I, I started, I've been with the grocer for quite some time now. I joined in 2010 as the fresh foods editor, so I used to write a lot about fruit and veg, meat and fish, um, quite a bit about sort of food fraud and food authenticity. Horsegate was a story that I worked uh, worked a lot on um, and it's something I still retain an interest in. And then prior to that, I was an editor on a technology publication. So I used to write about television, sort of emerging technologies. Great. So in terms of retail today for this episode, we're specifically going to focus on the grocery retail sector rather than retail more broadly. Um, which is good. And as you say, you've got the background in the technology side and in the retail side, which is perfect for the conversation we're going to have. So to kickstart, can we jump straight into this data debate? I know you and I have exchanged conversation. We had a little chat earlier about it. But where we really want to focus in on is data for those grocery retailers. And how do you see that? How do you see the opportunity and challenge going forward? I think the opportunity really is in using data to make the customer experience around grocery shopping easier. Um, And I think the way that's being approached at the moment, we're starting to see, I think, some people experimenting with that. Um, But I think what we're lacking still is a kind of really holistic approach in looking at, you know, not just trying to make individual aspects of grocery shopping easy, but looking at what is the what does the task look like from a consumer point of view. I think if you're shopping for for food today as a consumer, there are huge number of of sort of data points that you're being asked to take into account. So you're possibly shopping towards a certain budget, as a lot of people are you are having to come up with a menu plan perhaps that's 
that takes into account your family's particular preferences. Maybe someone's going vegan, maybe someone wants to avoid gluten, maybe your kid doesn't like any vegetables starting with the letter P. You're going to have to try and work out a way to shop for that within your budget. And then you have numerous health messages. You want to get the right amount of protein, you want to make sure you hit your five a day, you want to make sure you get the right amount of fibre. You know, so loads and loads of demands that actually make a relatively straightforward sounding task, buy some food for your, sh uh, buy, buy some food for your family, an enormous logistical under uh, undertaking. And I think there's a huge opportunity for grocery retailers to look at that task and say, actually, what is the service, what is the interface we can provide to make that task much, much easier? So when I go and I do my online grocery shopping with Retailer X, what can I be offered so that entire planning process becomes much, much easier? And I don't feel like I'm constantly falling short of meeting, of not, you know, meeting these various health demands, meeting my financial demands, meeting the demands of just, you know, wanting to offer exciting, delicious food to my family. Healthy food. Exactly. Whether it's healthy, whether it's adventurous, whether it's whatever. Um, you know, I, I think it's just consumers are being bombarded with so many messages around what it takes to feed themselves and their family correctly. And I think if you can just make that process a little bit easier, make it data driven, um, I, I think that'd be a huge opportunity for retailers. So are we talking here about a, a subtle shift or something that runs simultaneous? So you've got all the data from a business point of view to help drive more efficiencies, whether it's operational, whether it's cost savings, whether it's customer experience engagement from a payment point of view. Um, are we saying here that it's alongside that activity, it's a shift to thinking, well, actually, how can we present information in a way that's going to make that customer experience and that customer enjoy and perhaps find easier the shopping process itself is it is, is a subtle distinction or do you see it as this one of the same no i do i do think there is a subtle shift that's required um because i think yes we do have a lot of that data already within those businesses but i think often you know those businesses will look at those data points in terms of what is the what's the business to business case here what's the business to business outcome that we're looking to drive how can i sell more of this how can i make sure that this promotion runs more more effectively i think the shift here is to say actually we are starting completely from the consumer and we're not thinking about how can i sell this product or this particular line to the consumer but what does the task of shopping for food look like? What does the decision tree look like for the consumer? Where does the consumer struggle to reconcile those various demands? And how can we use data to help them with that? And in, in terms of the actual user experience, and if I'm a shopper planning to do my family shop, is that which channel do you see this information being presented on? Is it something on the mobile? Is it something that you can do on the desktop? How do I actually get access to this information that might better inform or ease my shopping experience? I mean, we obviously we're doing a, a little bit of sort of fantasy grocery shopping here, aren't we? So in in my in my fantasy world, I think that is something that happens on desktop and it can happen on on mobile increasingly. You know, if you look at any kind of consumer behaviour around digital, it is increasingly migrating to mobile. So there'd be absolutely no point in not making sure this was something that that, that didn't work on mobile. And in terms of, again, obviously it, it is a, it's a concept, it's an idea, it's an exercise in thinking, but 
some of the challenges with any technology in store from a grocery retail perspective, in my experience, you know, just getting Wi-Fi signal as you're in the store. Do you see these as significant barriers or is it is the point we're making here more about a way of thinking rather than the practical? And then I suppose overcoming some of the practical challenges is another conversation. I mean, I think the nature of these sort of, you know, fantasy grocery shopping experiences, yes, of course, you know, they are several steps removed from practical implication of course. I, I think the way I see it is, is probably more in a kind of online shopping environment. I do think lack of Wi-Fi connectivity in stores is a huge problem more generally regardless of whether we're looking at this particular sort of thought experiment or just connectivity in store uh, overall. I, I think there, there's huge opportunity to uh, connect with consumers right at the point where they're making decisions about their shopping that are not being taken advantage of because you know you lose signal the minute you go into those stores. But to go back to the kind of you know little fantasy experiment here, I I, th- I would see this as you know something that happens during online shopping. So you have a profile that you can set up where you set your preferences. I want to shop for a family of four, you know, ages of the kids, and here are my dietary preferences. I always want to make sure the meat I buy is British, and I want to make sure the eggs are free range, and I'd like to have, you know, organic vegetables or not, or whatever. Here are some foods you definitely can't exclude. Here are some foods we absolutely like. Now use the data. Here's how much I want to spend. Tell me what I need to buy and what meals I can now create for the week ahead, and then deliver the ingredients to me. So rather than just where we might be at now with advertising we will see on TV where it's supermarket A versus supermarket B on a price point for that basket, you see that differentiation could be going forward a way to say, yes, this costs X amount and this costs Y, but in fact you're hitting some of those health targets, some of those preferences, some of those nutritional requirements that you've specified with this basket for only a couple of pounds more than said the other basket. Absolutely, because I think price competition will always have a, a place in the market, absolutely, and consumers are very budget conscious, you know, and, and so we're not going to see a kind of focus away from price, but you can't, you can't simply compete on price. It is not sustainable for the industry overall. You have to look at what services, what experiences, what relationships you can build with customers that mean they are not going to be focused purely on price. And so if you have something, if there's something in how your service works and how you interact with that consumer, that means your service is so valuable to them I think they would be, or at least a certain number of consumers would be prepared to yeah, pay a little bit more if it means they're hitting some of those other targets. But crucially also, I think what we're often seeing at the moment is I think some of those trade-offs between here's how much you're prepared to pay versus here's some of the health outcomes or whatever other outcomes you are interested in, I think those are often quite opaque for consumers at the moment. If you have a more data-driven approach, you can actually make some of those trade-offs visible. You can say, hi Julia, you've specified a weekly budget of £70 and you'd like everything to be organic. That does not work with what you've just specified. However, if you're prepared to choose conventional produce on these five lines, we can make it fit. Alternatively, we can invite you to up your weekly budget to £75. Okay, great, now I can make a choice. Now I actually understand how the trade-off works. So, so it's, it's beyond the kind of traffic lights, you know, signal with the red, orange, green, and like GDA, you know, general daily allowances. It's more 
detailed but simple to understand feedback on your preferences and the options available to you to make an informed decision rather than just saying, oh, this, has got, this is red, it's got a lot of sugar, it's got a lot of fats, I'll pick a majority of green orange and I'll have a couple of red. It's, it's giving that more informed decision, is that correct? Yeah, and I think looking at it from a, in a more holistic way as well, you know, things like traffic lights definitely have a, have a role to play in, especially in the current environment where we're not in this situation in my kind of dream, dream scenario. I really need that service that would make my life so much easier. But, um, you know, what you're looking at when you're looking at front of pack traffic lights is a particular area. It's a sort of isolated data point, and it can be a useful data point, but you're then not allowing the consumer to take that data point and somehow make it interact with all the other demands they have. How does the data point around fat, fat, salt and sugar content interact with the fact that I have a certain budget? How does it interact with the fact that I'm really worried about overall you know, protein or sugar intake? How does it interact with the fact that it doesn't maybe tally with some of the preferences that my family members have? You know, so I think looking at those things, they're basically services and information for very isolated areas already available. What I think consumers need increasingly is something that ties it together, that doesn't just require you to spend 45 minutes reading labels, looking into sustainability and provenance and supply chain, but, you know, allows you to square it in one. Have it in that one place. And really what we're talking about is not a million miles away from the kind of experience you get in the travel and hospitality world already in terms of, you know, the likes of Airbnb where you're selecting preferences. I have a pet, I have two kids, you know, or this is my budget, I want it in this region, I want flights to this place. We're kind of talking about aggregating information in a way that, other verticals, other industries have got on top of, but applying that to something that there's a lot of need for, and particularly in some of the headlines, you know, on the grocer, and we were talking about this just before, but that growth in people eating more chocolate, share bags, the, you know, the mixed signals around how much alcohol consumption is a good thing. There's beyond customer experience and perhaps loyalty benefits to this for brands that pursue this, this, this idea or this concept, um, there's the kind of health benefits more generally and, you know, the, the, the need and the kind of media coverage around health benefits for for the people and for society. Would that be fair? I, I think it has that potential. I'm always a little bit wary in, in wanting to kind of be very interventionist in telling people what they should eat for, for health reasons, uh, not least because I think the past you know, few decades have shown that what is considered healthy and isn't considered healthy can change quite dramatically. So the, the way I look at this is I think health considerations are really important to, to a lot of people. And so that just becomes another data point. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily give it any greater priority than perhaps concerns about animal welfare or concerns about provenance or concerns about budgeting which can be just as important to consumers. It's about saying, it's a blank slate. We're not assuming here that you are worried about your share bag chocolate consumption. We're not assuming here that you need to be, you know, have a shouty sign that says sat fat on this. We're just saying, tell us what you are trying to achieve and how you want to feed yourself and your family. And we will crunch the data and we will deliver a plan and a shopping list that meets your specifications. And if you want to have, you know, eat sugar all day, then 
fine, we will also empower you to do this. I, I'm not a massive fan of this idea that, you know, when you do your online shopping, you go to check out and it goes, danger, <laughs> do you know what you're buying? So, so um, if in, in, in this fancy, as we're saying, but uh, if someone was to say, I just want X amount of sugar, I just want X amount, there wouldn't be a warning sign, it would just simply digest that information and share with you based on your preferences. There's no opinions being made here, it's simply an informative tool to aid your preferences. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's the right place for, for grocery retailers or, or manufacturers for that matter to tell people off. I mean, I think that's a terrible way of trying to manage a, a customer relationship in the first instance. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that works. No. I think what you want to do is say, we're starting with you. What do you want? Are you concerned about sugar? You know what? We will give you the tools and the data to make sure you don't have to worry about that. And and then from to that end, is this in your mind, is this a, a brand driven thing? You know, is there a risk if it was a Tesco Sainsbury's a little and Audi driven solution? There could be a risk that then you know all of a sudden well you've shown an interest in this and you know the opportunity to sell products similar to that around and suddenly it's lost its value how do you is this completely third party to any brand within the grocery retail is it is it an industry solution how do you see it if it was to come to fruition actually unfolding i mean you are are of course quite rightly pressing me on the kind of actual practical implementation on this and it's you know i mean who knows but I do think this is something that I would see as a proprietary service. You know, so I, I think the opportunity, and, and I think what you said just um, earlier about, you know, we are starting to see much more data-driven decision-making in other verticals. I think that is the message actually here. Um, you know, you, you're starting to see players like Google, like Amazon, really start, you know, taking a real interest in grocery shopping. Now, if you're one of the traditional retailers, you should be concerned about that because those people really understand data and they already operate in other verticals where they have used data to help consumers feel like they're making transparent, informed decisions. If you are Tesco today, if you're Sainsbury's or you're Abby, you're one of the traditional retailers, I think you want to make sure that it's not going to be Amazon or Google who'll end up developing something like that. You're absolutely right to bring those guys up because they're essentially technology companies at heart and they're going to have that springboard now moving into these verticals. Just on the data point then again, and I don't, I don't want to get bogged down in the, you know, the practicality of the reality, I think it's a great exercise in thinking and a way of approaching an opportunity to separate yourself and improve customer experience, customer engagement in an informative customer first way. But one thing, um, again, I'd be interested in your take on it because we're focusing on data. There's that kind of personalization versus creepy factor that comes up. You know, when it comes to nutritional requirements, you know, is that putting in your weight? Is it putting in your height? Is it putting in your age? Are they going to be, do you think there could be some friction from a customer point of view on sharing that information with whatever service it might be? Or do you think that's something that actually happens and, and wouldn't really be a friction point if the value was there. Is this a, a value exchange? I think that's the crucial point. Of course there is potentially going to be friction. And yes, the, the more personalised you want to make a service, the more demanding you are in terms of the data that you potentially want from that, that customer. And of course the more sensitive that relationship becomes. So yes, there, 
I think you have to prove to your customer that they are getting real value from this. Um, and I do think we are starting to see a shift within the industry of that more generally. That you know, if you want data, people are prepared to give you that data as long as they understand what you're going to do with it and how you're going to improve the service very specifically for them. You know, you can't do something generic, you know, oh, we'll give you more relevant offers. That's too vague. I'm not going to give you details about my family and their dietary requirements and my weight and whatever and, and potential health problems if I'm going to get, you know, a coupon for, for toilet paper out of it at some point. It needs to be, you know, you're, you're asking me for really specialised service and I'm going to give it to you. And in order to deliver that, I need the following data points and here's what I'm going to do with them and here's how I'm going to protect you if you're going to give me that data. Just from a consumer point of view, you can, you can see that if there is that real value, it's a natural, there's, there's a will and happiness to share information if you're going to get something back. It's exactly like the travel hospitality piece. If you're presenting findings and context because you want that better holiday, so if they can present the value in terms of a better shop, a better healthier shop, a more affordable shop, not just for you, but for your family, if for my, in my mind that's a natural transition to want to share that information, but I guess it's conveying that and more practical implication, but understanding that well, this data isn't going to be used to send promotions to you, to send sales messages, discounts. Yeah, so you, do, you don't want to have, it's sort of no alarms and no surprises kind exactly. of thing. You don't want to suddenly realise that actually whenever you open your browser, you're now being, you know... Tasked with chocolate bars or, or... Or told to lose weight because, <laughs> because you've told yeah. your supermarket that you're a bit worried about your sugar intake. You know, it's about, I think, just being transparent and... and and spelling out what the deal is, you know, most, pe- most people are now on social networks in, in some form. So I think that idea that you are making a degree of personal data available in return for a service, I think particularly younger generations are starting to, to be a little bit more used to that. But they are also asking, I think, increasingly precise questions about what you're going to do with that data. So spell it out, be very clear in, in, in the benefit that you're going to deliver. In your opinion, with your kind of wealth of experience in grocery retail generally, are we seeing steps forward towards more customer-centric thinking across re- across grocery retail businesses? Uh, is there that customer-first approach at every stage of the journey? Is that starting to be thought about? Are there any challenges outside of this particular solution that you think are real stumbling blocks for the industry in terms of progressing or and, and and is there a real desire to do that to combat the likes of an Amazon entering the market or the likes of uh, relatively cheaper, more affordable foods from Aldi's and Lidl's? How, how, how do you see some of the more traditional retail grocers responding to that? Is it thinking about customers first or are there other ways? I think there's definitely a movement towards that. Um, I think what Amazon is doing has certainly rattled some nerves. I think what some of the, the recipe box providers are doing, you know, in terms of having that sort of slightly more personalised service, you pick some recipes, we send them to you, you have the ingredients. I think, again, that is something that we're starting to see feed through to some experiments that the, that the traditional grocers are doing. But even if you're looking at how, you know, stores are being laid out, this idea of a sort of more mission-centric shopping experience, what is my customer looking for? They're looking to shop for a meal for tonight, so how do I therefore group and merchandise products together to make that mission easier? I think the implementation of that is sometimes more successful and sometimes less successful, but I think it is all sign that 
um, you know, that there, there, there is a, a desire to, to reflect consumer needs. And I do think overall grocery has, has always been a, a, a pretty customer-focused industry. I don't think it requires a massive shift to get these people to be interested in understanding what a consumer wants. I mean, they are exposed to, you know, they are the sharp edge of consumer whims and consumer behaviour all the time. So I don't think it's that. I think it's about looking at what that means in a data-driven world. What that means when your competition is not just the other superstore, but it's someone like Amazon. Because they are just so much more aggressive in using data. They are so much more willing to experiment with you know, how they are delivering for customers. That there's a danger for a traditional retailer that they will simply get overtaken. You know, the innovation cycles with someone like Amazon or someone like Google are just so much shorter. I think that is actually more the challenge than that you know, people aren't interested in being customer-centric. It's about understanding what being customer-centric means in that new digital first world. And is that understanding within the context of your brand specifically as well? So if your brand values or your brand mission was, say, based on price, is it staying towards that? If it was based on experience, is it staying and echoing that? Is it understanding your customer and then implying a more customer-first level of thinking on top of who your customer is? So if you're competing on price previously, would that shift to suddenly more experience, more value-add? Would that seem a friction to your customer base, or, or how do you how do you understand that? I'm not sure. I, I don't think it necessarily needs to be a friction. I, I think once you are allowing customers to be more data driven in in their decisions, I think it becomes clear where your natural positioning is going to be. So it's quite hard. I think if you're if you are primarily a product that people buy based on price perceptions to then say, well, now we want to premiumize. Now we want this to be a product that people don't just pick up because it's on promotion or at this particular price, but now I want you know people to listen to my brand story and have some sort of deep emotional connection with it. That's not going to be viable for all brands and all types of products. And I think that can sometimes be quite hard for brands actually to accept. I think that's less of an issue for retailers. I think it's more about you know, some slightly bruised egos of brand manufacturers and go, actually, no one cares. <laughs> they just care about the price. Absolutely. So, so I guess the uh, last kind of question I'd like to kind of leave things on is, if you had one bit of advice then for decision-making within a big retail grocer, one of the top five now in the UK, what would you like to share? What would you suggest should be top of that radar, top of that kind of decision-making tree, as you put it at the beginning, um, for progress moving forward relating to some of the trends we've discussed but also I suppose on a practical level in terms of a bit of advice they could apply you know from now moving forward what would that be for you? I mean I'm always very wary of, of giving advice in that kind of you know in a sort of blanket context because I do think the the answer is invariably going to be quite different for, for different retailers but I do think it's sort of coming back to a point I made a little earlier that if you are now working in a market where, where Amazon and Google for Google Shopping are part of your competitive set, you need to look at some of this sort of fantasy construct that we've talked about and go, okay, well, to what extent is this something that might be attractive to customers? Because someone like Amazon or someone like Google 
will do it if you're not going to do it. If this is of interest, someone is going to figure out a way to make that viable. And what happens to you then if you don't have that? Absolutely. So preparation and being aware of the broader industry and, 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 and competition entering that market, essentially. And then ultimately applying that to your specific brand and your specific customer base. Quite. Well, thanks so much for taking time. In case people wanted to find out more, I was talking about the grocer earlier um, and there was some awesome news and various bits on there. Where, where can people find out more about yourself and more about the grocer? So thegrocer.co.uk in the first instance, I've actually I've, I've written and, and given a presentation about sort of similar stuff before. Um, I'm on Twitter at Julia Glotz, I'm on LinkedIn, um, I'm on Instagram and I'm quite happy to just be approached um, to, to sort of have a chat uh, about some of these ideas so you can find me on those platforms and we'll take it from there. Fantastic, well thanks again so much for taking time um, and we will leave it there, so thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So there it is, another episode of Who's Afraid of the Big Idea. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found it as inspirational as us. To learn more or to check us out, follow us at One Connected. That's the number one, Connected, on Twitter. Or check us out online at www.oneconnectedcommunity.com. That's one, O-N-E, connectedcommunity.com.